Today on the show, we discuss the Doomslayer's evil twin and the tragic tale of a lost paradise. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Connor. And I'm Bruce. And you probably thought we were done, didn't you? <laughs> you no, nope, pro- we're back from hell. <laughs> we're back, baby. You thought that <laughs> the Doom episodes were left behind in Season 7 of Lore Party. Well, guess again, because we got one more for you. To drag you back down into the <laughs> terrible deep... <laughs> We uh we have been to places we thought we've ne- we would never go. We have done things we thought we would never do, and we played the Ancient Gods Part One DLC of Doom Eternal. So we got some more to unwind for you. Oh yeah, we also played the first mission of that DLC on our Twitch channel. If you want to check that out, that's right. It was a good time. It was just the right amount of stress mixed with the right <laughs> amount of bloodshed and. Uh, it was it was good times. Yeah, check that out. Too bad we couldn't make it to the Blood Swamp. <laughs> we'll have to stream the Blood Swamp at some point. But Blood Swamps aside, we are here to talk about something uh, <laughs> pretty big and pretty interesting and uh, pretty impactful to the, the Doomiverse that we learned about from the Ancient Gods DLC. And that is sort of the origin story behind Hell itself, but also kind of the King of Hell? Yeah, absolutely. This DLC and by extension, Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal has been really just rewriting the entire lore mythos of the Doomiverse just completely on its head. And this one, again, even for a DLC, just completely flips what we had assumed for all this time about a lot of things. Right. It it spells out um, a lot of the details behind Hell is Created. And we kind of had a cliffhanger ending at the uh, at the conclusion of Ancient Gods Part One. There was a bit of a shocker reveal that the Dark Lord himself, uh, who has been referred to, kind of alluded to a few times throughout uh, 2016 and Doom Eternal, just kind of vaguely as the Dark Lord, the the granddaddy of all demons, the the one above all. He was revealed at the end of the DLC, and he took the shape of basically a copy or a, or a doppelganger of the doom slayer. And so obviously the play, like the community, you and I as players, when we saw that, I'm sure we all had a hundred questions running through our heads at the same uh, time. Yeah. Like um, what, what do we do with this information? How do we make sense of that? I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. It's his brother. It's not, <laughs> not, not I don't quite. Think that's it. Not quite. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe, but we do have some theories, and we're here to discuss them today. We want to kind of dive into what we know about this mysterious figure, what we know about how hell was created, and sort of what this all means for the broader Doomiverse. Yeah, the story really is told in two parts. One is, of course, you are the Doomslayer, and you're kind of going up, not, uh, well, as it so was uh funnily told by Samuel Hayden that he had to clean up the mess he made uh, from the adventures of Doom Eternal, that he had to kind of go down and make sure that he could get the body of the Seraphim off this 
offshore research facility. But along the way, you're also being told of this, you know, uh, through the codex pages, of course, of the history of pretty much the universe and just kind of like a book of Genesis. Right. And it, it kind of solidifies a few things we knew uh, going into the Ancient Gods DLC, kind of things that were established in uh, Doom Eternal. A few things that were solidified that we kind of know as fundamental facts of the canon. We know that the earthly plane that Bruce, you and I live on, that everyone listening to this lives on, uh, as well as hell and the heavenly realm of Erdak, all of those things, all of those places and dimensions, they all stem from and were created by this one entity only known as the father. So starting with the father, uh, if we go back far enough on the timeline, we'll basically see the father just sort of drifting through the void, right? That's where everything starts. It's just the father is this entity that has no discernible shape. Uh, it's just kind of aimlessly wandering through the vast black empty void. Just drifting, just snowboard. Mm. Yeah, just chilling out, minding his own business, not not really thinking too hard about anything. But as he sort of just exists in one space for long enough, new life and new realities start to just branch off of him. And when the father stops drifting for just like a just a minute, like he just decides to take a breather, right? He leans up against a tree or whatever and you know catches his breath and uh, rests for a minute. That's when Erdak happens. Just bingo. Right then. By accident. By accident. That's important. That's actually really cool because Erdak, when you see it in the game, when you see it in Doom Eternal, you think, holy shit, look at this place. It's so intricate and detailed and advanced and high technology and it's mind-blowing. All of that was by accident. Erdak just happened. It was a, a whole big oopsie day. And <laughs> it, it's heaven. Yeah. Oops, I made a heaven. It's just er, the father just hung out for a second. He just stopped drifting for long enough for Erdak to just spring out of him incidentally, like as a byproduct. And when father realized what had happened, he's like, Oh, I created a completely new self-sustained reality in this place called Erdak. And he decided he liked creating things. So <laughs> I guess I'll roll with it. I'm going to roll with it. Yeah. And so the seraphs and the makers were kind of his next creation. He made them to inhabit Erdak and assist him with uh, what comes next. So I really like this because, I mean, if you or I are a lot of people who were at least maybe brought up by the Judeo-Christian faith, sure. you're able to at least follow along a little pretty closely with how the Bible or the Torah kind of talks about this um, of in the beginning, God created everything in seven days. Mm -hmm. But this one, it just kind of makes the father or God feel a little more. I don't know if the right word is human, but, you know, flawed. Yeah, that's interesting to me because I actually had the uh, opposite takeaway just because the the cosmic nature of the father and the makers, they almost make me they almost feel less human to me just by nature hmm. of how Erdak was created accidentally. Like humans usually have, I don't know. That's, that's a good point though. Like I just thought the idea of Erdak being an accident and realities just being created by the father without him even having to concentrate on it. Uh, just made me think of like, this is something I'll never understand or relate to. It's kind of so above the station of mortals that, 
Mm. It felt so alien to me. But but you're right in the sense that what we're about to get into, there are some uh, ambitions and instances of hubris that are very human-like. So you do have a point. Uh, but that that kind of brings us to the father's next creation, which was kind of the first thing he would decide to make on purpose. Because, again, Erdak was an accident. He thought, I'm going to actually try this time. <laughs> <laughs> if, this, I'm, if I can make this backwater shit town without <laughs> even trying, what if I really put my mind to it? Yeah, so he spat <laughs> into his palms and rubbed them together and decide, and really just uh, just hit the, hit the pavement running. And he created another realm called Jakkad. And the father set out to make this his greatest creation. He expected it to be superior even to Erdak. He would outdo himself. He was like, that was a rough draft. Erdak was my first, my first stab. No, at it was it. a prototype. Yeah, it was a prototype. prototype. Yeah, that was my first stab at it. I'm really swinging for the fences this time. And that's when he creates Jakkad. So um, with Jakkad, he thought that it would be better than having a bunch of immortal seraphits there and wanted to create these very like i don't know what he was really thinking and we can go into that but first he wanted all of them to be kind of led by a primeval mm-hmm. uh named davoth right um and he was supposed to be kind of their their leader master of jakkad to lead them to this greatness right yeah, the uh, inhabitants of Jakkad were different from the inhabitants of Erdak because in Erdak, obviously, the Makers and the Seraphim were immortal. They were kind of automatons who just served the father. But for Jakkad, the father wanted the people to be a little more self-sufficient, I guess. So they were mortal beings. They didn't have the immortality of the Makers. Uh, but the cr- the creature he made to lead them, like you mentioned, Davoth, he was immortal, a uh, primeval in the in the codex, a primeval like Davoth is described as being so immensely powerful and important that only one of them can exist on any plane or dimension at any time. So Davoth was, for all intents and purposes, like the father's protege, really, and he was in charge of Jakkad. But another thing about them was that they were created by the father to have limitless ambition. They were unrestrained. See, the Makers and the Seraphim had had rules that they played by. They were, like, kind of bound by some restrictions, but the Father wanted the people of Jakkad to just strive for everything and, you know, not yeah, be Yeah, do, do what works for you. Exactly. They, they wanted to achieve greatness at any cost, and Davoth shared that goal with them. But the problem was that Davoth, being immortal, he wanted his people to have that, too. He wanted his people to live forever, and he got really sick of watching them you know, grow old and die, and he got fed up with that. And so he dedicated himself and basically the entire society of Jakkad toward the goal, toward the ultimate goal of achieving immortality. I do want to say, I feel like this is uh, the father's second downfall here. Mm. Why would you make a realm that is to be led by someone who is immortal to a bunch of people who aren't mortal. I feel like this is, again, something that the father kind of has a lack of oversight on. Sure. And that could speak to your point earlier about that's a pretty human failing. That's just a, that humanizes the father a little bit eerily enough. Like this isn't something this isn't an entity that would be easily humanized. But maybe that's one thing that, uh, yeah, he didn't quite foresee. Uh, maybe some. maybe his thinking was. That if the people of Jakkad had a lifespan, sort of a ticking clock, 
that that would motivate them more. That was like, hey, you're on borrowed time, so do the best you can with it. You know, use that ambition, use that drive. But Davoth had to be immortal to be there for the whole thing and move everything along and be in charge. That was probably his logic, but like you so astutely pointed out, it definitely backfired on him because what happens next? Of course, <laughs> it goes <laughs> it goes south. Yeah, uh, Davoth could not stop thinking about how all his people are just dying, and he just can't really get over that. And he kind of spends more time trying to have his people have immortality more than what this kind of uh, vague, ambiguous greatness that the father wants. And you can really see kind of a parallel there, as we know that Davoth, you know, kind of like the Slayer, cares deeply for his people. You can kind of think about that with the Slayer. Exactly. And that that brings us to sort of the crux of the episode is uh, these parallels between Davoth, who, as we'll get into later, becomes the Dark Lord of Hell, and the Slayer, who, as we already know, is sort of the antithesis of demon kind. He's sort of the champion of, human, of humankind. Davoth and the Slayer have this one thing in common where everything they do is motivated by the love they have and the defensive nature they have toward their chosen people. They're a champion, they're a defender, a protector. Exactly. For Davoth, the people of Jakkad are his only concern. And to help them share in the gift of immortality that he has, he would sacrifice anything. There's nothing off the table for Davoth. Similarly, as we see throughout Doom Eternal especially, but pretty much all the Doom games, the Slayer is the same way toward humans, the people from people of Earth. Especially in Doom Eternal, nothing will get in his way. Nothing will stop him from doing whatever needs to be done. Just so just so everyone's keeping score, because I don't know if everyone... Well, I mean, if you're listening to this, you probably have played Doom, but just Erdek, Heaven, Seraphits, Angels, Jakkad, Hell, Davoth, the Lucifer Devil... And demons are demons. Yeah, demons. Yeah, that hasn't changed. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes the Slayer. What does that Archangel Michael? I don't know. Some. I don't know. I was thinking Archangel Michael. <laughs> I don't know. But like he's just a guy. Is he Jesus? Sure. Is he the Father Reborn? That could be. That's this is for another episode. Yeah, this is gonna get us in trouble. <laughs> We're gonna get boycotted. But no, I, <laughs> no, you're right though. But that does bring us to this question of so we we know. So the realm of Jakkad and its leader, Davoth, but how does Jakkad become hell? At this point in the story, Davoth is obviously, as we've established, obsessed with gaining mortality for his people. And uh, needless to say, the father uh, isn't happy with that. He sees this as a threat. He thinks, Davoth is getting too big for his britches. He's my, uh, he's my favorite child, but he's pissing me off. He's out of control. I I can't, you know, tolerate this kind of threat. So what he did was the father basically locked Jakkad away from every other dimension, every other reality. Jakkad was isolated, trapped, and from there, the entire society. And remember, this was a realm superior to Erdak by all measurements. So the architecture, the culture, the technology of Jakkad was just unspeakably advanced and beautiful by every measure after being abandoned by the father jacquard slowly and gradually devolves into a chaotic ruined corrupted shell of its former self and 
it eventually becomes the domain. The back of a metal album cover every <laughs> <Yeah>. year. <laughs> yeah, it becomes a domain of anguish and suffering that metalheads think is badass and awesome. But it used to be so nice. <laughs> it, it used to be such a nice neighborhood, Bruce. I'm serious. Like, <laughs> Jakod, hell used to be a beautiful place to raise a family. But back when they called it Jakad, but it's just really gone to the dogs now. It's really sad. And the father took all their funding away. <laughs> Ever since <laughs> funding from the father dried up, this place has uh, seen better days. And then seeing what it looks like now, blood swamps, giant spires made out of spines and bones and skulls <laughs> right. and shit. I right. mean, that really had to have taken a lot of chaos and effort and disdain and hatred and malice and destruction to kind of turn that on its head yeah. into this but also time it also takes oh a, like these oh it had time yeah oh that oh boy they had time because you gotta remember these events take place on a scale of linear time that uh is just ridiculous like the, we're talking billions of years ago probably eons 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 and eons and it's sad because as we as we talked about already, Davoth was you know he cared as a you know primeval you know immortal lord of creation basically he cared about was, the people he was his he was guardian. responsible for yeah he, like you said that's you he actually had a good he had a good term he was the champion of these people and his motivation was fear that they would eventually go extinct and his ambition <laughs> drove him to a bad place and that's what happened anyway it's uh, it ended up turning back on him we we've actually talked in other episodes about the hubris of chasing the greater good. Yeah. And I think that brings us to Davoth too. Like, Oh, it's, it's a continuing theme in this entire thing where it's just, you have a villain or at mm -hmm. least an antagonist who is expecting not to get screwed on shit that they do. And then all of a sudden, yeah, Davoth had noble intentions for the inhabitants of Jakkad and he tried to lead them to the promised land, but they were punished for their ambition. And so, Jakkad turns into hell and, you know, over a long, long, long period of time, Davoth himself gets imprisoned in what's called a life sphere. The, the life sphere, as, as is explained in uh, the Ancient Gods DLC, it's explained that it's capable of containing the essence of even an immensely powerful creature like a primeval, like Davoth. So he had to be trapped in a life sphere for eons and ages on end. And probably watch or at least be, you know, vaguely aware of the process of his home, Jakkad, slowly devolving and degrading into hell as we know it today. And that's just, that's brutal, man. That's that terrifying. sucks. Yeah. Guys having a bad day. Super sucks. <laughs> super sucks. No second chances, no appeal. Just go sit in the corner for all time. Right. And as Jakkad turns into hell and Davoth is trapped in the life sphere, obviously the people of Jakkad aren't going to stay the same after that. They're, they slowly degrade and become demonic forms and citizens of hell. So imagine whenever you're playing Doom next time, when you're the Slayer and you're chopping heads off and you know dismembering and blasting and burning and all that, that the demons you're killing likely used to be perfectly ordinary people who uh just wanted to live forever man i mean can't blame them can you i also want to take the moment to think about how after the father put davoth 
into the life sphere mm-hmm. and off af- just watching the place that he was going to create just the perfect life of Jakad just turn into literal hell. <laughs> he just turns his sights on a new project and is like, well, third time's the charm. <laughs> <laughs> This one I'll get right. <laughs> You've got to admire the boundless optimism of the father to just, you know, oh, well, I'll get him next time. You know, just <laughs> that one didn't work out, but hey, that's the process. <laughs> Good God. But yeah, I mean, you know, even though he was imprisoned and his realm was destroyed, basically, and corrupted, Davoth still didn't give up. That's the most amazing thing about about this character. He, you know, even though he's trapped in the life sphere, he continued to try to reach out and influence his people, the the Jakadians, I'll call them, who were becoming demons. He would try to whisper forbidden knowledge to them and guide them in their quest to, you know, continue seeking eternal life, even as they were becoming demons. And so, like, even though he was basically destroyed by the father and, you know, reduced to rubble and stripped of his power, Davoth continued to want the best for his people. He tried to keep them on that path toward ascendance and immortality. So his, his motivations never changed. He, he got a little resentful naturally, but he still wanted, yeah, he still wanted the people of Jakkad to benefit. Yeah. And, and I would also say, let's draw another parallel to the Slayer who came from a different earth or at least like a different universe earth, went through hell, somehow came out on the other side to Argenta and fought for those people because they were still his people. And then he finds the new earth once he's like trapped in hell for God knows how long. And it, it, it also shows the kind of determination and unending, you know, efforts that he went through to protect his earth, even though it wasn't technically the earth that he might've grown up in. Mm-hmm. It was still that place, his people, his realm. It was still humanity, and that was still his responsibility to fight for. That's a great yeah. point. That's another, yeah, that's a really great similarity between Davoth and the Slayer is that no matter what happens to them, they keep fighting. They, they don't give up. These guys are not quitters at all. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break here, but stick around. We'll be right back. Commander, I apologize for the interruption. You have an important incoming transmission. Lore Party hosts Abu Zafar and Leah Wiggins would like to let you know that they're jumping through the Omega-4 relay and returning to the world of Mass Effect. They're hoping you'll join them on the Normandy and be a part of the crew. Just look for the Mass Effect episodes in the main Lore Party feed. End of transmission. Returning you to your episode. Overall, this kind of story, this tragic tale of the Paradise of Jakkad becoming the the horrible nightmare realm of hell, it gives us a better idea of why the Lords of hell and the demonic hordes that they command behave the way they do. If your kind demon kind is descended from a people who, you know, had limited lifespans, but they were led by uh, primeval power in an endless quest for immortality. It kind of lets us glimpse into, you know, how, demons think if that makes sense like you know you look at the demons of the doomiverse and you don't really imagine there's a lot of 
higher yeah, reasons going on behind. Kill, 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 meet, 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 blood, right. blood, blood, guts, guts, guts. But knowing this story, you kind of gain a better understanding of like, they're, they have a hunger. It is a pain in their stomach, in their very soul that aches. Yeah. It's like a void in their soul that can only be filled by consumption because they are descended from a civilization that was bent towards an endless quest for immortality. Their madness and their bloodlust, there's a method to it. There's a reason for it. And it it, it does play into that angle of it being a, a tragic civilization that was lost and brought low by its ambition. We come back to the cost of ambition. Like the people of people of Jakkad had this insatiable hunger for immortality and they kind of got it in a way because demons in a way can't be killed. They just, they sort of return to hell and are remade. So I think this also just goes with the other themes that we were talking about in our doom series about ambition, how we saw with the UAC and the con maker in Erdak. It's this ambition all of them almost kind of striving to, at the very least, build on top of hell that we now know as Jakkad, which in and of itself was almost the peak manifestation of ambition. Yeah, no, I, I really like that there is this common thread of ambition being dangerous in the Doom universe. But at the same time, there's also this flip side of certain characters who kind of understand that overreaching and taking your mission too far can have dire consequences, but they don't care because they know what they're doing is is either just what they have to do or it's the right thing to do uh, in the long run or or for the people they care about. And that brings us back to this interesting dichotomy between the Slayer and Davoth because you know, playing through Doom Eternal, we've we've talked to we've talked extensively about how there is sort of an established cosmic order to the world in Doom Eternal, and when the Slayer sort of defies Erdak and makes powerful enemies by saving Earth, he's overthrowing that order. He's going against Heaven itself, and obviously continuing his war against Hell at the cost of everything else because he wants to save Earth. It's, it all comes back to this. There's this one thing that's important to him and everything else can be sacrificed. And what's really great is I'm, I'm looking forward to part two because this really does flip a lot of shit on its head, especially about the Slayer. First of all, I can't wait to see this fight because oh, yeah. here oh, yeah. you see this. Um, this is literally going to be two very powerful entities who have no other ambition in life than to protect their people. Their people are in peril. They are both under duress and you have a literal unstoppable force going against an immovable object. Oh yeah. They are not the same, but they are almost exactly opposite that this is going to be a very interesting fight or at least conflict, yeah. unless they team up and kill <laughs> the father and Erdak and everything. <laughs> that would be amazing. That'd be cool. That'd be crazy. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I'm hyped up. And uh, just my final thoughts on all of this is one of our episodes from the Doom series was that what we had assumed was that the Slayer is just this 
harbinger of correction in the universe. When the laws of this universe are broken, something or someone comes to correct it. And that it, what that is the Slayer, or at least was until this happens. And now like it feels like that role is somewhat diminished by the fact that obviously the game is telling us he is not a copy, but like a very much very similar in that role as Davoth was. Yeah. And is he still just some guy now? Is he still that? Or is he just human Lucifer in a sense? And I'm not sure if that's good or if that's bad, but I still feel like at the very least, maybe Davoth was that answer to the breaking of the laws of the universe back in his time. Mm. Maybe that's the reason why we see the Doomslayer here and looking like uh, Davoth is because they both have played the same role. And while he was gone in the life sphere, the Slayer is kind of picking up that mantle as things started to become unbalanced in the universe again. Interesting. That's a really good question. Uh, it, it is kind of open to interpretation, like what the deal is with, with uh, Davoth looking like the Slayer. They look like twins, basically. They look like uh, copies of each other. And there's a bit of speculation there that we could do where it's like, oh, did Davoth just choose to take that form to like kind of get inside the Slayer's head? Or is that really what he truly looks like? But there's also Vega, who is kind of is still existing in some form at the end of the DLC. He explains that Davoth is... I think, quote unquote, you in their world. So it's like hell's version of the Slayer that might lend credence to what you said, Bruce, where it's like maybe they are just different versions of each other, kind of across timelines, across dimensions. Maybe they are cut from the same cloth, but just put to different uses. Like Davoth was the Slayer before the Slayer existed. He was that guy who was the champion of his chosen people. And then later on, when humans needed a champion the slayer stepped up either way this is going to be an amazing title fight hell yes i'm buying my tickets right now <laughs> i will be there front row courtside can't wait right after kong versus godzilla <laughs> kong versus godzilla <laughs> is the warm-up that's like the opening it's the opening oh, yeah. match <laughs> can't wait <laughs> Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. Check out our YouTube page for bonus videos and highlights. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.